All right, everybody, if you'd like to take your seats, we'll get our presentations and proclamations started in just a couple of minutes. All right, Madam President, we're going to ask we're going to ask Marsha just to can you wait can you wait one second so we can get this other student back to school? Thank you. We thought you were going to be first, but then we know one has to get back to school. So we'll introduce Councilman Lee first with a proclamation this morning. Leah Lane, please come up. Father, you can come up with her. Good morning, Leah. Good morning. We're so proud here today to provide a proclamation to Leah for her accomplishments. And I'm sure everyone at Our Lady is proud of you for what you've done. And so I'll read this proclamation. Whereas Aaliyah Lane of New Orleans began her track and field career as a sixth grader at John Curtis Christian School in 2018, and whereas the same year Aaliyah was a two-time All-American and was part of the 4 by 100 relay that traveled to the Junior Olympics and became a national champion. And whereas in 2022, she competed again in the Junior Olympics and was titled an All-American in the 400-meter dash, and the national champion and her personal favorite, the 800-meter dash. 
And whereas Aaliyah has broken many records for Jefferson Parish Departments of Parks and Recreation, and whereas Aaliyah is now in the eighth grade and attends Academy of Our Lady High School, and whereas she is a member of the Summer Track and Field League Sprint NOLA Track Club, and whereas she has broken many records and holds various titles in the 200, 400, and 800 meter dash events, as well as the junior high school girls 200 meter hurdle by jumping 30 inches high. And whereas Aaliyah is the first mile split Louisiana future star based on her extraordinary indoor season, she was, was and continues to have. And whereas she is a multiple time West Bank champion and Jefferson Parish champion, and whereas Aaliyah is known all over the world as one of the best and has had multiple articles written about her performance and accomplishments. Now, therefore, the Jefferson Parish Council here of Jefferson Parish hereby recognizes, congratulates, and commends Aaliyah Lane on her many accomplishments in track and field. Congratulations. Parish President, with all of my colleagues, please come down and share this moment. Okay. You can stay. You can stay. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Congratulations, baby. Thank you. Thank you. Congratulations. Good morning. We have a very special guest with us today for Louisiana Flood Awareness Week. So if I could ask Marsha to come up, along with our floodplain management director, Maggie Talley, and our ecosystem and coastal management director, Michelle Gonzalez, to come up. Um, this is about Louisiana Flood Awareness Week to educate Louisianians on the potential um, hazards of, of flooding. Flooding is actually the most common natural naturally occurring disaster in the United States. Um, obviously, we know flood waters are a risk to life and property. We want people to understand how to prepare their homes, to understand the dangers of flash flooding, whether it's driving in your car, having the water obstruct the debris in the roads, or even just six inches of moving water can make someone lose their balance uh, and fall down. So in 2016, as with education, it's good to have a mascot. In 2016, Marsha became Jefferson Parish's mascot for us to help explain it. And I just want to uh, thank Marsha. We presented Marsha with the poncho, but we did it earlier because we thought Marsha would have a hard time getting the poncho on. And uh, I had a preparedness pack that, Peggy, can you hand me that? An emergency preparedness pack to represent that you have to be ready for all your emergencies, Marsha. You ready? Yes. Okay. So I want to invite Maggie and Michelle up to talk a little bit more about um, this special week that we're having. Thank you. Um, so yeah, we kicked off Flood Awareness Week on Monday. This is a, a, a state 
initiative that's been put forth by the Louisiana State Floodplain Managers Association, um, but it's also something that's taken off on a national level as well. So Jefferson Parish, as of last year, has started participating. And on Monday, uh, each day of the week, we do a different topic. Monday was about general flood awareness. Yesterday, we really emphasized flood risk and um, coincided with actually our program for public information committee meeting. We do an annual evaluation of the outreach that we conduct around flood education and awareness. And so we had that meeting yesterday. It was very successful. And then um, we have a number of other things going on this week as well. Yeah, um, so today is actually um, just a reminder about flood insurance. Um, flood insurance is an important thing for you to protect your home. Um, here in Jefferson Parish, we have over 40% of our land area is um, in a floodplain, so certainly want to encourage people to maintain their flood insurance policies. Um, tomorrow, we will be at Lakeside Mall set up to educate the public about flood preparedness specifically and things that they need to consider having in their emergency kit for when they may need to evacuate. Um, and then Friday is, what are we doing Friday? Mitigation, actually our hazard mitigation department. We're gonna be really highlighting some of the work that we've done over the past um, 10 years with elevating homes and um, the success stories with that. Council members, you wanna come take a picture with Marsha? You wanna invite your teams up too? Sure. Michelle, get your teams up. James. Why do I want to say Marsha, Marsha, Marsha? What is that from? Brady Bunch. Brady Bunch? <laughs> <laughs> I thought so. It's a tail. You tail. Your heinies. <laughs> All right, Marsha, put your arms out because the picture looks better with your arms out. All right, so we need Yeah, you go. That would be good. All right, Maggie, you're shorter. Now, Councilman Impostato has a uh, proclamation. Thank you, Council Chairman. Uh, at this time, we'd like to honor and pay tribute to a gentleman of exceptional capabilities, uh, but also to a team that really represents the sort of collaboration, mentorship, uh, leadership, and care that I think just embodies everything that Jefferson Parish has to offer. Uh, with that, I'd like to bring up, if I could, Judge Steve Enright, uh, most importantly, his son, uh, the best athlete of the family, Neil Enright. By a long shot. And, uh, and a dear, longtime friend of mine, Gare Faubacher, who a little history there. Neil, you and I share something. Uh, at one, once upon a time, Gare actually trained me in high school. I trained him in the classroom. Uh, he trained me in a football field. So, uh, but I think I did a better job with him in the classroom than he did with me on the field. But anyway, uh, Neil comes before us having completed 
the Crescent City Classic this past April, uh, representing a program called the Adidas Runner 321, which is a program that Adidas, and this is one of the reasons we wanted to do this, is help bring some attention to this program that Adidas has nationwide uh, to encourage uh, not only events to attract uh, people with Down syndrome, but also to encourage people with Down syndrome to participate in these races nationwide. Uh, Neil is the second person in our Crescent City Classic history that we know of to have represented uh, the Down syndrome community and men and women of his special capabilities. And so we want to honor him and congratulate him on his successful completion of the Crescent City Classic this April. So. So with that, we have a proclamation recognizing and commending Neil Enright, representing those with Down syndrome, wearing number 321 in the 2023 Crescent City Classic. Whereas on April 8, 2023, Neil Enright was presented bib number 321 for the 2023 Crescent City Classic by race director Eric Stewart. And whereas this number is set aside specifically for a runner with Down syndrome, which is part of the Adidas Runner 321 campaign, a program asking marathon and 10K races to save the number for those as special as Mr. Enright. This is the second year that this number has been designated to someone in the Crescent City Classic. And whereas Neil Enright's life has been one of resilience and commitment from the start when he spent his first two years of life on the neo in the neonatal ICU unit on oxygen 24 hours a day. Remained on oxygen at home around the clock for six months. Neil outgrew this and has been enjoying good health for many, many years now. Neil is now 22, plays basketball, baseball, and participates in kickboxing, usually beating David Corsell. <clears throat> and, and whereas Neil has trained with Gare Faubacher for 10, for 10 weeks, leading up to the Crescent City Classic beginning in February. One event he participated in prior to the Crescent City Classic was a 5K sponsored by Upside Downs, a nonprofit organization helping Down Syndrome community to help him prepare for the Crescent City Classic. And whereas Gare Farbacher, Farbacher gave Neil visual objects such as makeshift finish lines and other tools that helped motivate him in his training. Neil's real motivation, we are told, though, is his friend of 10 years, Miss Emily Ryan, who attends St. Michael's Special School in New Orleans with him. And whereas Neil serves as the Student Council Vice President at St. Michael's Special School, will, and he will graduate this coming May. Now, the Jefferson Parish Council hereby recognizes and commends Neil Enright in being chosen by the Crescent City Classic to wear number 321, representing those with Down syndrome in the 2023 Crescent City Classic. The Jefferson Parish Council now also wishes Neil Enright good luck in all his future endeavors and declares today, August 23rd, 2023, as Neil Enright Day here in Jefferson Parish. Great job, Neil. <laughs> you want to say anything? No? <laughs> Judge? Judge, you like something? Judge? Just, just thank you to all of you. On behalf of Neil, obviously, thank you all very much for your support. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. I, I just want to say one thing. Neil, you want to do a handshake? Why not? We'll do a handshake? Come on. Let's just, that's how we get this race started, guys. Right here. Let's get it. One, two, three, four. Right here. Fist bump. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. Let's get it. C, C, C. All right, Neil. <laughs> guys, just real quick.
this guy inspired um, us all. He inspired me, especially. I think he helped me, and I helped him, and it was just a journey that I'll, that I'll never forget. So it was awesome. So congratulations, Neil. We love you. Parish president, council members, please join us. Yeah, come on in with us, y'all. All right, I have uh, representatives from Casa Jefferson up here with me. And if you know anything about Casa Jefferson, court-appointed special advocates, you know that they do a tremendous amount for the young people in our community. They act as a voice for those who cannot speak for themselves. And the work that they do is tremendous. Their gala is coming up on September 15th at the Audubon Tea Room. And um, we have a proclamation this morning to recognize some of the great work that they do in this community. Whereas the mission of court-appointed special advocates, Casa Jefferson, Inc., is to break the cycle of child abuse and neglect through volunteers advocating for safe, nurturing, and permanent homes for foster children in our community. And whereas court-appointed special advocates are appointed by judges to serve as the voice for children in foster care, and whereas advocates get to know the children, review records, research information, make visits to the temporary home, and talk to everyone in the child's life, including teachers, family members, attorneys, social workers, and judges, and whereas, by getting to know their assigned child and the people involved in the child's life, advocates can fight for the best interest of their child and serve as a consistent, responsible adult presence in their life. And whereas, through recommendations made in court, advocates ensure their CASA child's needs are being met and that they're not lost in our overburdened child welfare system. And whereas, while some children are reunited with their parents or relatives and others, make connections with their adoptive family, the ultimate goal is to ensure a safe and permanent home where they can thrive. Now, therefore, the Jefferson Parish Council, the governing authority of Jefferson Parish, Louisiana, hereby recognizes and commends Casa Jefferson, Inc. for their extraordinary service to the citizens of Jefferson Parish, Louisiana. Thank you all. The gala is coming up on the 15th, as I mentioned. I'm sure you're still accepting sponsorships. I'm sure you're still accepting people buying tickets. And I'll let you say a couple of words about Casa before we take the picture so you can invite people to the event as well. Tell them where to go.
Thank you all for having us. Thank you, Councilman Walker. Uh, yes, the gala is coming up on September 15th over at the Audubon Tea Room, and we would love to have all of our council, our parish president, and city administration, and those here today uh, to come and attend. Um, it's a wonderful event to be able to support. Uh, you can go online to Cosser Jefferson um, and find the ticket to where you can purchase. Um, you can also come see myself um, or Miss Margaret, our recruiter, uh, here in Jefferson Parish to be able to get more information. And we uh, look forward to seeing you all there. Thank you so very much. You all come down take a picture. Casa Jefferson, thank you again for the work that you do in this community, the invaluable work that you all do in this community. So here's your proclamation. We'll take the picture in just a second. Slide on over. All right, Councilman Lee, back up at the podium for another one. Many of you all who attend uh, this meeting uh, may be aware and may not be aware of the challenges that we've had in the Avondale-Wagman area in terms of bringing a grocery store to, those, to that community. And so I stand here today to let you all know that we've been working very hard for the last three and a half years to encourage grocers to open up a store in that area. And we've met anywhere from the folks with Rouse's at least four times, as well as, uh, as well as Ideal Market, as well as other grocers. And so, although we haven't been able to get it done, we are encouraged by the fact that we're getting very close. We're getting much closer. We've worked with JETCO exclusively uh, to help us craft uh, structures to contracts to ensure that there would be uh, the type of incentives that would be made available to a grocer if they were to locate in that area. And so because we have not done it just yet, and we believe that it will happen because the area is growing, there's new subdivisions, and there's certainly new industry coming there, uh, we've come up with what we believe is, is the uh, next best thing uh, for the residents in the Av uh, Wagman and Avondale and Bridge City area, and that is a mobile grocery store. And so we have a video that's going to be played today, whereas... Mm -hmm. okay. And, and uh, we have a, a presentation that's going to... You'll see a video in a little bit. And we'd like to thank uh, Ms. Natalie, as well as Christine Breedy, uh, for helping us to bring this together and present this before you. And we will be doing so at our civic association meetings as well and church events 
to let them know the, the good news that's coming. And so, so after the video, they will come up and speak and uh, share with uh, you all the exciting news. Thank you all. Today we are here to celebrate the Making Groceries mobile market with our ribbon cutting and grand opening. This is bringing fresh, affordable produce straight into the communities across the Acadiana area. The Making Groceries mobile market brings healthy foods to areas that don't have consistent access to healthy foods. So that's a big help for the Humana member and the community as a whole because in areas where perhaps our, their only option was unhealthy food, they now have the ability to purchase and use healthy food on a recurring basis, which improves the overall health and well-being of the individual and the communities. It's important for everyone in our community to have access to healthy, nutritious food. We know that food is incredibly important in our South Louisiana culture. It's a celebrated item. It's what brings the community together. And not only is it food, part of the hope and the opportunity comes into the other services that come with the food, whether that be health care, vaccination, diabetic eye exams, flu shots, and then when the nutrition education giving them any kind of resource content, cooking demos, showing them how they can survive or be successful with healthy eating. We're very excited to launch this and I look forward to it having an impact on the community. If you want to learn more about Making Groceries Mobile Market, go to no-hunger.org slash mobile market. Good morning. My name is Christine Brady. I'm executive director with the Jefferson Community Foundation. And last year, uh, during our board retreat, we discussed um, this concern that we had for food deserts in Avondale and Wagaman. And so one of the solutions that we've come up with is to partner with Second Harvest. And I will let Natalie J. Rowe with Second Harvest tell you a little bit more about this mobile market. Thank you, Christine. Uh, and thank you to the councilman. Uh, thank you to Cynthia. Thank you to everyone in this room. Second Harvest is the largest hunger fighting organization in the state, located right here in Jefferson Parish. And we're successful because of the generosity and the partnership that we have with you, that we have with Christine at the foundation, and that the way the public supports us. Um, so we do, on average, 40 million meals a year, though we would like for it to be twice that much because we actually cover the entire southern part of Louisiana from the Mississippi to the Texas border. But we're also very, very interested in meeting the community and its needs where they are. And so when Christine and Councilman Lee's office came to us and talked to us about the food desert um, in Avondale Parish, we thought that the mobile market might be a great solution while you're working on that long-term solution of the grocery stores. And what mobile market does is that it literally brings the grocery store into a community, a community that is a food desert where individuals may have difficulty with transportation to reach a grocery store that has fresh fruits and vegetables. And we actually make those groceries available at a discounted rate. We use our volume buying power to ensure that we're getting the best possible 
possible produce at the lowest cost because we know often folks in these communities are dealing with a number of challenges. So we want their access to nutritious food to be um, as great as we can possibly make it. And I just want to introduce Lindsay Hendricks. Um, Lindsay's been working for years on this mobile market project, um, selling it, selling it, selling it. We really feel like for a situation like this, um, and, and for us at Second Harvest, where we're really trying to understand the needs of communities, that this is one of our best ways to do that. Go ahead, Lindsay. Good morning, everyone. Um, thank you to Pam and Councilmember Lee's um, office for bringing this to our attention. Like Natalie said, this is a program that addresses two key barriers for community members struggling with food insecurity, affordability of groceries, and access to those groceries in terms of proximity. So by having a mobile grocery store going into communities, um, whereas with the food bank doing it, we don't have to make a profit. So for us, being able to provide low-cost groceries at rates that are lower than a retail market um, is really a win-win for community members. Um, in addition to bringing the low-cost groceries into communities, we're also able to provide other services such as nutrition education, um, health care interventions, things of that nature using our existing partnerships in the parish. And we're just really excited to kick off this initiative and in addressing the need in that community and hopefully other areas in the greater New Orleans uh, community that is struggling with with food deserts and low access to groceries. So we're very excited and thank you for your time this morning. I am, I am so grateful to you all for you all working collaboratively with us with this. Um, it's very important. The number one issue in Avondale and Wagaman, as well as Bridge City, is we don't have a grocery store, we need one. So uh, I always say working together works. And so I thank you all for, for being a part of this because the community needs access to fresh food, meats, and everything that, that's required to sustain them. Thank you all so much. Thank you, Councilman. Thank you. It's a privilege. Thank you. If any of my council colleagues want to come down, please do. Banana, are you ready to do yours? I'd like to, is this on? I'd like to call to the uh, podium Serge Villanova. Serge is a young man who works to put on some entertainment and try to stimulate the economy in Harahan. He just wants to talk to you all a little bit about the successes he's had this year. Uh, good day, everyone. 
My name is Serge Villanova, a local music producer, uh, president of Stranded South Music Media and Events, as well as the founder of the Harahan Music Festival and Food Drive. Um, thank you very much, Councilman Bonanno, as well as his office, not only for their support in promoting our festival, but for facilitating today's opportunity for me to expound a little bit on this philanthropic and entertainment endeavor we've been building in the city of Harahan since my family and I decided to start it in 2021. This is an old poster of this past May's event. This past May, we celebrated the third and most successful year of our event with an economic impact of over $25,000, um, as well as an attendance of over 500 people throughout the day at Zerang Park on Hickory Avenue in Harahan, the location of our festival. Uh, a quote, Facebook post actually, uh, we really enjoyed being able to hop on our bikes with the kids and see world-class talent at a safe, perfect-sized outdoor festival. The Fosters give this fest two thumbs up. Thank you to them. A picture from our humble beginnings in 2021. Since we started the festival, quite literally, on the back of Harahan City Councilman Eric Chatelain's flatbed trailers, we've since gone on to welcome into the community of Harahan Amanda Shaw, uh, world-renowned uh, Louisiana celebrated artist, World War II Victory Bells, and in 2023, the Grammy Award winning Lost Bayou Ramblers. Uh, New Orleans soul singer Andre Lovett. Um, it's really great to be able to provide a stage for, for talents like Mr. Lovett spends most of his time honing his craft on Frenchman Street. And I'm very grateful to have been given the opportunity by and the support of Harahan Mayor Tim Bodier, as well as the rest of the Harahan City Council in producing this event for the community, which has to date paid over $20,000 in paid artist fees. One moment, please. Um, and I'm especially proud of 2021 when we, we started the event, when opportunities for musicians to perform and work opportunities were sparse to say the least, and opportunities for the community to come together uh, for much needed physical and mental health support had been decimated during the difficult circumstances of that time. It is during that time that my family and I decided to start the festival and to bring people back together, do our part in doing that. Thank you. Not only do we... Um, introduce great mu musical offerings into the city of Harahan, but our festival has also acted as a catalyst for numerous community betterment initiatives. Since we started the festival, we've raised over 10,000 items of food and water for the St. Rita Food Pantry. <clears throat> Small food pantry run by Joe Roman serves and services families in need from the River Ridge and Harahan area. We have great supporters in the area, including the Elmwood Business Association, and their network is, is tremendous. L, uh, LA Waters, Camellia Brand, Blue Runner, and many small businesses support our work. Uh, in, 2020, in 2022, uh, we began a relationship with Home Depot, which would begin in a donation of free roofing materials for a Hurricane Ida battered park shelter at Zerang Park. Uh, this is the before late 2021. Next slide, please. This is the park shelter today after a new coat of paint, a new sign. Uh, I administered personally. Uh, we would begin. We would continue to uh, continue to grow this relationship with Home Depot, and in 2023, we would, we would assist Harahan-based veterans of foreign wars post. 
3267 and attaining a $5,000 Home Depot Community Impact Grant in which they bought a brand new John Deere riding lawnmower, which is currently being used to assist local elderly and disabled veterans with lawn care. Uh, I'm very proud of a lot of these initiatives. This one especially, as my grandfather was a paratrooper in World War II, suffered greatly the rest of his life with a bad back because of his many missions and many jumps. Thank you for helping me out. Uh, thank you all for listening. We're almost done with all of the community initiatives that run parallel with the Harahan Music Festival and Food Drive. In 2023, uh, we assisted the local boxing camp, Kingfish Boxing Club, in essentially bringing boxing back to Harahan, where it has a very storied history. Coach Axel Medellillo started the uh, Kingfish Boxing Camp in 2003, and Kenner recently moved it into Harahan. Since then, he's graduated over 1,000 young men and women through his program, many of which are currently serving in local law enforcement and various military branches, including the Cretina Police Department. The first annual Harahan Mayhem and May Kingfish Boxing Tournament saw athletes as young as eight years old getting into the ring for the very first time uh, in the spirit of sportsmanship competition and community. Once again, we want to use music as the foundation and the festival as a platform for the betterment of the community and to help as many people as possible. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much to Councilman Bonanno's office. My name is Serge Villanova with Stranded South Music and Media, and we are currently working to build our fourth year. We'll turn four in 2024 with the Harahan Music Festival and Food Drive. Thank you all. Thank you, Serge. As you can tell, Serge is a go-getter, and we look forward to your continued success. Just on a quick note, Kingfish Boxing is a good program, as he talked to you about. They're doing a fundraiser at the camp. They're going to do a boxing match in September. So if you're so inclined, please come out and support them. Thank you. All right, and lastly this morning, um, Judge Enright gets a double dip today. He's here along with Chief Judge Nancy Miller from the 24th JDC. Um, if you all could both come to the podium or whoever the spokesperson may be. A couple of weeks ago, um, they came to me about a shortfall in the commissioner's court this year, a deficit of $150,000 in the commissioner's court because, obviously, costs increase and you have some unforeseen things happen. Um, this is, if you're not familiar with commissioner's court, there are three different offices. One deals with civil matters, one deals with criminal matters, one deals with domestic matters. And this is a very important part of our parish. It's a very important part of our overall public safety. And when they came to me with this problem, I thought it was a no-brainer. And um, I'm going to ask for support from my colleagues today uh, to cover with $150,000 the rest of this year's shortfall. And then we'll deal with next year as soon as possible in next year's budget from the parish. But this year, we're going to deal with that shortfall. And I'd like you all to um, Speak a little, bit about, a little bit about Commissioner's Court and let us know just how important it is and what exactly you all do in the community to, to keep us safe outside of your normal judge duties. And uh, thank you so much. Uh, or pull the mic down a little bit. You calling me short? <laughs> the mic was just tall. No problem. <laughs> uh, Chairman Walker, the rest of you all, thank you so much. First of all, again, on behalf of Neil, thank you. But thank you on behalf of the court. Like, uh, much like uh, Councilman Impostata said, Neil, uh, is the best uh, athlete in the family. I'm going to defer to our chief judge. She's certainly much better at laying this out. But thank you all very much for your consideration. Thank you. Thank you all for having us this morning. We certainly appreciate it. Um, as you know, the court considers our domestic hearing officers and commissioners program an important quality of life issue for the citizens of Jefferson. When families are going through the worst time in their lives, be it divorce, domestic violence, we are able through these programs to get them within front of a hearing officer within 30 days, providing stability, a schedule for child custody so that no parent is deprived of visitation with their child, 
a home to live in for the children and who will be there with them, um, finances to continue the household running, um, and very fast resolution to um, domestic abuse and restraining orders. Our hearing officers here, um, if you don't mind me just running through just a very quick um, statistics for you. We've heard a total of 1,255 um, petitions for protective orders. Um, of those, 640 were in proper person. Um, I'm not sure if y'all understand, when we have lawyers in front of us, the cases go very quickly and very smoothly. When we have improper person litigants who are unfamiliar with the court and the rules of evidence and the rules of procedure, it takes a lot of time and effort and most of all, patience. And our domestic commissioner certainly, with these numbers, has uh, displayed his patience and efficient handling of these matters. We have heard 300, I'm sorry, 3,128 domestic cases in the year 2022. And let me just say the court on its own has attempted to uh, cover these shortfalls that we have. Twice we've gone to the Supreme Court and raised our commissioner fund fee from, I believe, $75, we are now, after two rounds with the Supreme Court, Court Cost Committee, up to $175 um, per case. In addition to that, we had legislation passed that allowed us to take some of, uh, in cooperation with the Sheriff's Office, to take some of the off-duty witness fees and apply it to our shortages to maintain this program. So the court obviously feels that it is imperative for the citizens of Jefferson to have this play uh, uh, program in place, and we appreciate the support that the council and the administration give us. Thank you all. Anything else, Judge Enright? No, other than thank you and any questions. Thank you so much. Thank you all. Thank you both for coming this morning. All right. Let's get started. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Jefferson Parish Council meeting on Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023. We're at the Joseph S. Yenny Building, located at 1221 Elmwood Park Boulevard in Jefferson, Louisiana. This meeting is now called to order. And before we get to the uh, invocation and the pledge, I'd like to remind everybody that there's a blood drive going on upstairs today in room 405. There's a desperate need for blood, as always. Um, now, in particular, there is a critical need. Donors will get a donor T-shirt, a Hubig's Pies donor T-shirt, plus you can qualify uh, and enter, a, ent enter for a chance to win a generator that may or may not come in handy this hurricane season or hurricane seasons down the road. So if you can stop by that blood drive, it goes on the rest of the day today. I'm going to go after the council meeting. If you can do the double red thing, which I still don't fully understand, Susie Potter's here, I, I can do that, and I'm going to do that today. And some people can do, because I have O negative, so I guess that makes me able to do that. Um, but anybody who can give anything today, it's much appreciated. And if you don't, Susie will come after you. She will, she will hunt you down and drag you up there herself if you need to. Again, it's in room 405 here at the Any Building all day. It ends at 4.30. Is that right, Susie? Two. Okay. So it ends at two. Not quite all day. Two o'clock is when it ends today. So thank you, Susie, for being here. And thank you all for doing this blood drive. And there are a lot of appointments still available for today. So walk in or make an appointment online before you go up. Now we can move on to the invocation and pledge. Councilwoman Van Franken, your guest for the invocation, please. Let me open that. I've already gotten my email from Susie, so I will be upstairs uh, for the blood drive as well. 
Um, it's such a nice opportunity when we get to invite someone from the community to lead us in prayer as a community and as a council. Um, this morning, uh, we have with us Rabbi Mendel Saitlin. Um, he is with the Shabbat Jewish Center in Metairie. We actually met when we were out installing uh, the large flower bouquet sculpture, the Spirit of Hope, out on the neutral ground uh, on West Esplanade, which is right near um, the Shabbat Jewish Center. And um, it's just such a beautiful educational opportunity um, for people of all affiliations of, of Jewish heritage and Jewish faith um, and education for the community at large. In fact, September 11th, coming up next month at the Jefferson Performing Arts Center on Airline, um, there will be a, a, a woman, phenomenal woman, Esther Bosch, who is um, referred to as the honey girl of Auschwitz. She was taken to Auschwitz at 16 and um, will be speaking in person to us. What a tremendous opportunity. So September 11th at the Jefferson Performing Arts Center. Um, Rabbi, uh, we appreciate you being here. We appreciate you ev everything that you do for our community uh, and leading us in prayer this morning. Almighty God, we stand before you in prayer, seeking your benevolent presence. We humbly ask for your grace to shine upon the esteemed members of the Jefferson Parish Council and the, con and, and, and the constituents that they represent, guiding them with your wisdom and compassion. May your, blessings, may your blessings encompass each and every one of them, bestowing upon them health, joy, and prosperity. In less than a month, Jewish communities around the world will be celebrating the holiday of Rosh Hashanah, which marks the Jewish New Year. The month leading up to Rosh Hashanah, which we find ourselves in today, is known as Elul. Elul serves as a period of reflection on our actions over the past year and a consideration of how we can improve in the coming year. As we approach Rosh Hashanah, the sounding of the shofar takes center stage. In synagogues around the world, Jews will gather and be inspired by the sound of the shofar, a ram's horn. In preparation for Rosh Hashanah, throughout the month of Elul, it is customary to blow the shofar as well. The simple sound of the shofar serves as a spiritual wake-up call to us all, a reminder that our existence on earth is for a divine purpose and goal to make this world a better place by leading lives rich with meaning and guided by a moral compass, a life suffused with acts of charity and caring for others. With gratitude for this gathering, I respectfully request your permission to briefly sound the shofar here and now. May its haunting notes symbolize our collective aspiration for growth, unity, and positive change. Almighty God, we beseech you to endow these public servants with wisdom and insight as they embark on their noble pursuit of service for their fellow. May their decisions be infused with integrity, guided by your presence. As we stand before you in unity, let us echo the sentiment. Amen. Thank you. That was certainly a first for our prayers here in the Chambers. Appreciate it. Uh, Chief Robertson, you mind leading us in the pledge, please? I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America 
and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. I'd also like to welcome to Chambers this morning, former Judge Hans Liljeberg, former school board member Melinda Bourgeois, and I don't think I'm missing anybody. If anybody else pops in along the way, I'll let you know. Madam Clerk, please call the roll. Chairman Walker. Present. Councilman Template. Present. Councilman Edwards. Present. Councilman Banano. Here. Councilman Lee. Here. Councilman Impostato. Present. Councilwoman Van <coughs> Present. Parish President Ms. Lee Shang. Here. And I have completed the roll. Thank you. Madam President, would you like to address the council? Yes, Mr. Chairman, thank you very much. We'll start out with heat safety. Um, obviously, today is another very hot day for us. The National Weather Service has issued another extreme heat advisory for Jefferson Parish. With dangerously high temperatures this week with projected heat index values in the 115 to 120 degree range, um, this year has been a record-breaking year in August, just this August. Um, we have had 13 days in a row where we broke the record for high temperatures uh, for our area. Um, and there have been 35 days this year where we have had the daily high and broken those records. So we want to um, obviously, you know, make sure citizens should remain weather aware and please take the precautionary measures to avoid becoming a victim of heat exhaustion. Um, obviously, drink plenty of fluids, stay in air-conditioned rooms if you can, stay out of the sun and check up on your relatives and neighbors, especially the more vulnerable members of our community. It goes without saying that pets and small children should never be left unattended in vehicles. And we want to remind everyone that every day we have 15 libraries uh, throughout the parish, so you're not just going to sit in a cool room. You have a lot of things to do at our libraries to take, um, take shelter in some of our very uh, cool libraries throughout the parish. We even left the libraries open during holidays to make sure people had that um, service available to them. The burn ban, obviously due to the extremely dry conditions statewide and the concern over first responder safety in these high temperature weathers, the Office of the State Fire Marshal has issued a statewide burn ban, which includes Jefferson Parish. The state is also under a red flag warning due to winds associated with weather activity in the Gulf that are elevating the fire danger level to one that is obviously very detrimental to our firefighters. Um, the state fire marshal has asked us to remind the public to cooperate with this burn ban and be considerate of the first responders who are put at increased danger in this heat every time they're called to respond to a fire. Um, and obviously this week we have had to respond to quite a few fires already <coughs> in Upper Jefferson. In terms of um, our emergency management team, they're continuing to monitor the activity in the tropics, especially now we're at the peak of the Atlantic hurricane season. Currently, we don't have anything out there that is a cause for concern, but we want to make sure that Jefferson Parish continues to remain prepared and we have the full situational awareness for this time of year. Since Ida, we've updated our emergency plans. We've created new forms. We've involved new agencies. We've conducted trainings. Uh, we just did a shelter training recently. We've bought new equipment, all to help us in our response and recovery following a storm. And though it's been a quiet August so far, this is not our time to let our guard down. We're just asking that all citizens be ready, remain prepared, and weather aware. Jeff Cap Energy Assistance, thanks to our Jeff Cap programs in partnership with Atmos, 
for assisting residents with their natural gas bills during the Share the Warmth Blitz. Um, as a result, 325 Jefferson Parish households who were struggling to pay their bills received assistance totaling over 51000 in funding. Now to water assistance, uh, Jeff Capt is now providing eligible West Wego residents with utilities utility assistance through our low-income household water assistance program. There's going to be an outreach event for West Wego residents this Friday, August 25th from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. at the West Wego Senior Center on 4th Street. You have to bring your required documentation including ID, Social Security card, your current water bill, and proof of address and proof of income. So for more information about this water assistance event by Jeff Cap. 504-736-6900. We're really excited about a new service we're providing at the library. This is the West Bank Regional Library's Book a Librarian. It's going to start next week for patrons to reserve one-on-one -on -one time with librarians to assist every with everything from online job applications and resume creation to registering for an email account, social security account, and SNAP benefits. Session sessions are going to take place in the library's computer lab. The book a librarian must be reserved by way of phone or email request with the callback. Also, the Autism Society of Greater New Orleans will host a free legal clinic on Friday, August 25th at our East Bank Regional Library. This is in partnership with Morrison Law. The purpose of this event is to assist individuals in drawing up free power of attorney documents for families of autistic individuals and for autistic, autistic adults living independently to reduce inequality and address access issues. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, the library for um, that school is now back in session across the parish. We want to remind everyone that we have free homework assistance available online through, um, it's called Help Now with Brain Fuse, B-R-A-I-N-F-U-S-E, Brain Fuse. Trained tutors are available between 2 and 11 p.m. by visiting brainfuse.com and logging in with your library card number. And the West Bank Regional Library will launch its first Bingo for Books game night on Wednesday, September 6th at 6 p.m. Books are generously donated by our friends of the Jefferson Parish Public Library. So for more information about all these events, uh, www.jplibrary.net. Registration is also going on for our JPRD kickball tournament. It's the third annual, and we call it Families Kicking It. Um, and this, the, the tournament is now open. It's scheduled to take place on October 28th at 10 a.m. at the Miley Softball Complex. <clears throat> you have to be seven years or older to play, and teams must have seven to ten players. So at the cost is $15 per team. You want to register for the family kickball event at jprd.com. And then um, I want to talk about the newest um, part of our one of the tenants of Recreation Reimagined. Obviously, we had a very we have a very strong recreational program that did programming across 27 playgrounds. When we look at today's numbers, and this is what we took on last year, uh, while some playgrounds were bustling with activity, we had other playgrounds that didn't have as much activity. Not due to our parent volunteers, not due to our coaching, it's strictly a demographic issue. If you were a neighborhood that uh, had young families, you're, a neighbor, you're now a neighborhood that are filled with grandparents, right? So one of the tenants was that we can change our programming to make space for additional sports that are in high demand. And that's why we're here to talk about pickleball. Um, pickleball has been the fastest growing sport in America for the past three years. The participation has grown over 150%. Um, and in Jefferson Parish, we have certainly responded to that demand the best we could at the time, which is playing on tennis courts um, and not to the... 
not to the joy of the tennis court players, but just so we know, the free play at indoor pickleball, we've had it at Delta, Bright, Little Farms, and Beltaire. Outdoor, we've had pickleball at Pontiff, Miley, and Beltaire. And any given week, we have 300 to 500 Jefferson Parish residents playing pickleball. We have leagues um, with over 100 players. Pontiff is having a mixed doubles league wrapping up this week. And our JP-sponsored family pickleball at Delta Playground um, starts next week with 18 teams. So pickleball is very, very popular in Jefferson Parish. So that's why we want to point you to item number 25 on today's um, agenda. We're happy to move forward with a true dedicated pickleball complex at Miley. This is going to be nine new courts, uh, four refurbished courts, landscaping lights. This is a true pickleball complex. We're very excited about that. Uh, I know the pickleball players are very excited about that, so we ask for your favorable consideration for item number 25. Thank you, Madam President. Councilman Template? I just real quick want to compliment. Uh, I want to say it was on Friday. We had the seniors, uh, was it Beanbag? Beanbag Baseball Tournament, which was a huge crowd from across all the senior groups in Jefferson Parish and proud. And I actually got to play on one of the teams on a couple innings and, uh, and surprisingly threw two triples. So they all wanted me on their team all of a sudden. But uh, Don't forget was, who knocked you home one yeah, time. I, him? RBI. Knocked me in. But uh, it was a great, great event to see such, such so many seniors enjoying the quality of life we have here to offer in Jefferson Parish and a great town. Plus, it was indoors with air conditioning right now, so it really made a big plus. So hats off to uh, the administration and the parish and, and the seniors as well. So thank you. Councilwoman Ben Reichen. Okay, I heard the parish president say that the family kickball event takes seven players or more. I think maybe a council team <laughs> could be fun. Um, I just want to say thank you to two of our departments. You know, we have um, tremendous men and women of Jefferson Parish who are ready to respond at a moment's notice. One, you mentioned um, parish president, our fire department, East Bank Consolidated Fire Department, responded to a really um, uh, a blaze at a business in the Metairie area. Um, not only did I hear from the, the people who owned the building that was inflamed um, that our East Bank Consolidated put that fire out, but the surrounding businesses who, of course, when you see a neighboring structure on fire, were so worried about their own businesses. And each of them has reached out over the past um, few days to say thank you, thank you, thank you. They were afraid the wind would blow the fire in their direction and, and affect their businesses. So. Again, that we have men and women who even in this heat are willing to, you know, don those suits and the equipment and go in and um, save our businesses and, and um, livelihoods. We are so appreciative. They did a tremendous job. Um, also, just thanks to um, our Parkways Department. Last night I was at an event um, in the Old Metairie area and um, got called outside to say there is a tree branch, a huge oak tree branch laying across the street and we didn't want anyone to run into it and and you know have an accident caused so jpso immediately was on the scene but then parkway sent out crews our public works department i, I contacted mark drews as well and they sent out crews to handle that large oak tree branch um, and just a word of caution, you know, those trees are beautiful, mature trees, but because of the heat and because of the lack of rain, um, you know, our trees uh, potentially are more brittle. So um, just for everyone to, to try and keep an eye on their trees, and um, thanks to the departments for being so quick to respond. Thank you. Thank you, Madam President. 
Let's move to item number one on the agenda, items one and two. I have a note that they'll be deferred until 9-13-23. So, Councilman Templet, your motion on items uh, number one and two. I move. Any objection to the deferral of items one and two? And Oh, man. <laughs> just went just went right past it. Guess I'm just anxious to move forward, Mr. Al. My apologies. All persons wishing to appear before the council on any item on the agenda or addendum agenda, including Mr. Al, who I certainly was not trying to overlook and move past. Um, you have three minutes. You need to fill out a request to speak card in the back of chambers. Please state your name and address. Thank you, Mr. Al. My apologies. Okay, ma'am. We got 42. 43, 44, 61, and 82. Short list this morning. Okay, we're going to go with 42 first. $47,000 increase, uh, which is 2.4%. Uh, this is for additional safety improvements to the project. 44. Okay, we got an uh, additional $30,000 as a result of additional work for enhancement and longevity of the project. Okay, uh, 44, no monetary increase, just 47 additional working days. 61, we got a $584,000 increase, 3.6%. As a result, once again, enhancement and longevity of the project. 82, you got a $175,000 uh, additional cost. This project has not been out for bid yet. The design phase has just been completed. This $175,000 uh, reflects uh, uh, inspection services. Now, anybody got any comments or questions for me? And don't worry, Councilman Walker, I'm not going to let you ever get away with that one. I'm, Count on it. I almost feel like I should give you more time, Mr. Alfred, trying to skip past you. Well, we need to get the five minutes back, man. <laughs> That's Anybody? For another day. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Al. Frankie Hires, 509 Homo Boulevard, just trying to spark a little curiosity and away we go. There are rules in bowling. Right? Somebody's toe crosses the line, yeah, I got to say something about that. Thank you, Mr. Al, for, for making sure we didn't miss out on this. <laughs> on behalf of Bonnie Thompson, I'm here for item 124 at J Pass. Right? Jay Paz, whatever they want to call themselves. The trough that is for that one man running that show. And the conflict of interest with the uh, spouse of my council member being on that board. I'm informed anyway yesterday by Miss Bonnie. She takes great exception with the expenditures to Jay Pass. She finds them to be a uh, uh, couple of uh, taking advantage of ill-gotten gains here. We got an exclusive contract providing a trough to one man who pays himself like a hundred grand a year? I, I try to look it up. It's hard to find any of the, the uh, any of the information on any of these nonprofits. It's kind of like a, a way to launder money. I can't know how much everybody's paying any of the executive executives. So from one cooperative agreement to one nonprofit or the next, I'm pretty sure we're spending more money to administrate the assistance that, as a citizen, I got to jump through 15 hoops to qualify for, and at the end of it, probably won't anyway such as the case with almost every assistance program this parish subsidizes. I've tried. Either I don't have enough income information or I don't have any other kind of thing that might qualify me. But I'll tell you this, as a citizen, I have no interest in being your dependent. 
nor do I appreciate having to assail this entity to deal with what it means to be apportioned according to law. If you can't explain how this power is distributed, every cooperative agreement, every contract we enter is illegitimate. We got number 57, I believe. We're going to appoint somebody to this uh, task force for homelessness. And I don't believe anybody's appointing anybody that's experienced homelessness. I think that would be important. We're paying a lot of people to think about doing work, and that goes through this whole agenda, from 70 to 100 and whatever we're on. A lot of thinkers, no doers. And then you had the decency to put a stop sign up. And I got to wonder, in that District 2 stop sign, Mr. Uh, the council member for District 2, um, were they forced to negotiate with their neighbors to sign a petition, or are you just deciding to put that there because it's the right thing to do? Because I know that every council member can just put a stop sign wherever you want. The citizens aren't, don't actually have to submit to this petition process that's absurd, archaic, and based off of some organization in Michigan or California. Right? So I'm hoping that you're doing this just because it's the right thing to do and you didn't force your citizens to go and submit to uh, negotiating with one neighbor or the next arbitrarily to, to see this done. I'm guessing, I'm hoping that this is about reckless driving and that we're doing the right thing here. I know that none of you have to answer any question we ask because the chairman made that clear years ago to Mr. Al. We could do better. Good morning. Nancy Pearson, 8924 Rensu. Today I'm here representing, of course, my association. Thank you all very much for last week participating. And uh, Lisa Carlin and the organization she represents today, we had to divide and conquer. She's in Baton Rouge at a committee meeting for ITAP. And I'm here to speak on 67 to 75. It took me a few days to find somebody that could explain it to me. But uh, finally I did yesterday evening. And uh, some of y'all received a letter after Lisa and I met with a couple of your uh, uh, divisions within the sheriff, within sheriff's office. Jeez, I'm, I've been there too long. Within the uh, parish and our concerns after that meeting, and so this, these, I think nine companies that uh, you're going to sign contracts with, we understand that it's mostly used within the parish process with parish projects, but I was told yesterday that it can be used for outside projects. Councilman Lee spoke about the issues in Wagaman and no grocery and the quality of life. Councilman Templet spoke about how great it is to live in Jefferson Parish, and it is great to live in Jefferson Parish. We have some of the best employees anybody can have as far as a city or a parish or a county goes. But some of them are overworked and maybe don't have the expertise that some of these uh, firms have to look at these issues before us. There are companies wanting to do business in Jefferson Parish that will change not only the landscape of Jefferson Parish, but the quality of life for decades and generations to come. And that's very concerning to us. Just this week, they're trying to change something really quick because they're afraid of heat exploding in a tank full of ammonia. So if we could use people, firms with special expertise in areas when these firms want to come do business with us that might give us a, a little bit more light, a little uh, more answers to the questions that we have and the concerns that we have. So I'm hoping that not only will you use them for parish 
projects, but also, if my understanding is correct from my conversation yesterday, that they can be used for um, people wanting to do a process of uh, adding businesses, adding firms, adding uh, plants, uh, storage tanks, and that sort of thing. So that's what we're hoping you'll do is um, use that within private entity also. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Items on the agenda or the addendum agenda? If it's not on either of those, you can speak at the end of the meeting if it's on something not on the agenda. Is this about an item on the agenda or the addendum agenda? If it's not, you can speak at the end of the meeting on, on any topic. It's, it's not on the agenda. Okay. Anyone else with items on the agenda or addendum agenda? All right. Now we can move to number one and two. So, Councilman Template, your motion once again on the deferral of items one and two to September 13th's meeting. I move. Any objection to the deferral of items one and two on motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. That takes us to item number three, please, Madam Clerk. A resolution selecting a person or a firm to provide a transit system planning platform solution for Jefferson Parish fixed route transit operations under RFP number 0460. And Councilman Templet, your selection? Uh, the highest ranked was Optibus Inc. Any objection to the selection of Optibus Inc. on motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Item number uh, four, five, and six are executive session items. We'll get back to that around noon. That takes us to item number seven, which I have a note to defer until um, 927's meeting. So, Councilwoman Van Franken, your motion on that. Move to defer to 927. Any objection to the, the deferral of summary number 26178, item number seven, on motion of Councilwoman Van Franken, seconded by Councilman Walker, deferring that item to 927. Hearing none, so ordered. Item number eight, please, Madam Clerk. Summary number 26179, approving SP-40-23, requested variances to the sign regulations for Premier Nissan located at 6636 Veterans Memorial Boulevard on lot H-2-A, Elmwood Lafanier Plantation, Council District 4. We can waive the reading here. We now open the public hearing for summary number 26179. Anyone in favor, please come forward. Anyone opposed? Good morning. My name is Stacy Landry, 3949 Meadow Ridge Drive, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm here to represent um, Premier Nissan. Just want to say I'm in favor of it. That way they'll have for the additional signage on the building. That way the motorists will have visibility and also when they enter the parking lot as far as directional signage as they drive through the parking lot where they should go. That's it. Thank you. Thank you. One in favor. Anyone in opposition? Madam Clerk, note that one appeared in favor. Councilman Impostato. Motion to approve. Any objections to the approval of summary number 26179, a motion of Councilman Impostato, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item number nine, please, Madam Clerk. Summary number 26181, amend Chapter 2, Article 1, Section 2-7 of the Code of Ordinances of Jefferson Parish, Louisiana. We now open the public hearing for summary number 26181. Anyone in favor, please come forward. Anyone opposed? Madam Clerk, note that no one has appeared. Councilman Template? I move. Any objections to the approval of summary number 26181, a motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 10 with amendments, please. The operating budget. 
Summary number 26182, amending the 2023 operating budget, and the amendments are to allocate $1,703 from Council District 3's video poker fund to pay for renderings for various projects in Council District 3, allocate $200,000 from Council District 1's West Bank Riverboat Gaming Fund for a CEA with Stonebridge Neighborhood Improvement and Beautification Beautification District to provide funding towards rebuilding the kitchen at the Stonebridge Golf Club. Allocate $10,000 from Council District 2's West Bank Riverboat Gaming Fund for CEA with the Vietnamese American Tutoring and Education Program for a tutoring program. Allocate $8,343 from Council District 3's West Bank Riverboat Gaming Fund to recreation for uniforms for MLK playgrounds, football, track, cheerleading, and volleyball teams. Allocate $150,000 from Council District 3's West Bank Riverboat Gaming Fund to Second Harvest Food Bank of Greater New Orleans for CEA to provide funding for a making groceries mobile market to serve as an access point for healthy and affordable foods to citizens of Jefferson Parish within the West Bank of Council District 3, particularly those in Avondale and Wagaman with less access to fresh foods. Allocate $160 from Council District 3's West Bank Riverboat Gaming Fund to pay an invoice from Jefferson Parish Sheriff's Office for security detail for Council District 3. Allocate $160,250 from the Hospital Service District No. 2 Fund for CEA with the City of Kenner to provide funding for a tot lot and exercise equipment at Rosemary J. Minor Park in Kenner, Louisiana, to provide citizens access to outdoor activities that promotes physical and mental health. And that's all the amendments. Thank you. Any objections to the amendments being brought from the floor? Hearing none, Councilman Templet, your motion on the amendments? I'll move. Any objection to the adoption of the amendments? A motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. So now open the public hearing for summary number 26182. Anyone in favor, please come forward. Anyone opposed? Thank you, hires. Jeffersonian Republican, 509 Home Boulevard. I prefer a government that's frugal and simple, lacking for either of those conditions. I got to rise in opposition, no matter how good the works. If we can't explain how we fill the cookie jars, what it means to have an apportioned taxation with regards to property taxes, or uniformity with regards to sales taxes, I'm pretty sure, unless somebody wants to confirm otherwise, that the West Bank pays a half a percent lower sales taxes on the hospitality industry, which I believe is gambling. Somebody wants to correct me on this, I have no problem not addressing this. I'm not doing this because it's fun. I'm doing this because this is a civic duty. I oppose arbitrary taxation. I oppose arbitrary representation. I got two senators holding office on this council, would-be senators trying to serve the whole parish even though they live in a district. It defies a portion. You can't apportion this body according to law as it's structured. Therefore, all of the good works are fruit of a poison tree, ill-gotten gains. Figure it out. Anyone else in opposition? Madam Clerk, note that one appeared in opposition. Councilman Templet, your motion? I move. Any objections to the approval of summary number 26182 on motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 11 with amendments, please. The capital budget. Summary number 26183, amending the 2023 capital budget. And the amendments are to allocate $200,000 from at-large A CDI 
CDIA general fund for a CEA with the city of Harahan for gym repairs due to Hurricane Ida. And that's all the amendments. Thank you, Madam Clerk. Any objection to the amendments being brought from the floor? Hearing none, Councilman Template, your motion on the amendment? I move. Any objection to the adoption of that amendment? A motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. We now open the public hearing for summary number 26183. Anyone in favor, please come forward. Anyone opposed? Break your eyes, 509 Homer. Just going to step, step up and oppose on the same grounds. Without having a body that's apportioned according to law, no actions this body takes stand up to the test. Figure it out. Madam Clerk, note that one appeared in opposition. Councilman Template, your motion. Any objections to the approval of summary number 26183, a motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. That takes us to item number 12, resolutions and motions from the floor. Please call the roll, Madam Clerk. Councilman Edwards. Yes, sir. A resolution to name the building located at 128 Wright Avenue, Gretna, Louisiana, the John M. Mamalitas Jefferson Children's Advocacy Center. Any objections to that resolution being brought from the floor? Hearing none, we now open the public hearing on that resolution. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, note that no one has appeared. Councilman Edwards? Any objections to the adoption of that resolution brought forward in motion by Councilman Edwards, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Councilman Bonanno. Councilman Walker. I have none. Councilman Template. I have one. Yes, sir. A resolution approving the appointment of Mr. Ben Lapine to the position Director of Drainage and to provide for related matters. Any objection to that resolution being brought from the floor? Hearing none, we now open the public hearing on that resolution. Anyone in favor or opposition, please come forward. Madam Clerk, note that no one has appeared. Councilman Template. Any objections to the adoption of that resolution? Brought forward in motion by Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Congratulations, Mr. Lapine. Where are you? There he is. Congratulations. Councilman Impostato. Do not. Councilwoman Van Rankin. And I've completed the roll. Thank you, Madam Clerk. That takes us to Consent Agenda 1 now. Councilman Template, your motion regarding the Inglobo adoption of the Consent Agenda. I move. Any objection to the Inglobo adoption of Consent Agenda items 13 through 57? A motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so order. That takes us to item number 58. Please read that, Madam Clerk. A resolution selecting an engineering firm from, a, from the list of approved firms established under resolution number 139781 adopted on June 15, 2022 for routine engineering services which cost under $500,000 for street projects which services will be required to provide professional services for the design and construction administration of improvements to bus stops and adjacent intersections. Council District 2. Councilman Bonanno. ECM. Is there any objection to the selection of ECM on motion of Councilman Bonanno, seconded by Councilman Walker? Hearing none, so ordered. Number 59, I have a note that it will be deferred until the 927 meeting. Councilwoman Van Vranken? 
Any objection to the deferral of item 59, a motion of Councilwoman Van Franken, seconded by Councilman Walker, being deferred to 927. Hearing none, so ordered. Item number 60, please, Madam Clerk. A resolution selecting from the list of firms approved to provide urban planning services for a fee of $150,000 or less to conduct a zoning and or land use study to determine the appropriateness of the R1A single-family residential Metairie Ridge Tree Preservation District and the R1B Suburban Residential Metairie Ridge Tree Preservation District in order to protect the integrity of the neighborhoods affected by the decommissioning of Haynes Academy for advanced studies by the approved plan of the Jefferson Parish School System and to the ex extent possibly alleviate, mitigate, and or eliminate those potential negative effects that may be caused by future development. Councilman Template. Uh, NY and Associates. Any objection to the to the selection of NY and Associates, a motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Moving to uh, consent agenda items 61 through 130 minus 62, which is to be deferred to 927, and 66, which is to be canceled. Your motion on that, Councilman Template? I move. Any objection to the in-global adoption of items 60? Mr. Chairman, I'm sorry, like Councilman Banana. Uh, item 3 for discussion, please. 83, item 83. Item 83. All right, let's start that again. Councilman Template, your motion on the in-global adoption of consent agenda item 61 through 130 minus 62, which is to be deferred to 927, 66, which is to be canceled, and 83, which we'll pull out for discussion. I move. Any objection to the in-global adoption of item 61 through 130 minus 62, which is to be deferred to 927, 66, which is to be canceled, and 83, which we'll pull to discuss. A motion of Councilman Template, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Let's go to item number 83, please. Read that, please, Madam Clerk. A resolution approving an agreement with Broadmoor LLC to provide construction management at-risk services for the Eat Fat City Center, a community campus for entrepreneurship, art, and technology, and its associated transportation hub parking garage, and authorizing the execution of the designation of construction contractor as agent, a government, governmental entity, and sales tax exempt certificate. Councilman Bonanno. Ms. Van Rankin, while well, I realize this is a District 5 project, I was contacted this week by the president of the fire union, and he has some, he's out of town. He wished he could be here today. But he has grave concerns about this project and how it affects Fire Station 18 and his budget. Um, I'd like to ask you to consider deferring this until he gets back in town so we can have a discussion on it. So item, we're, we're, dis, we're already deferring any item related to the fire station. Those were requested deferrals that Councilman Walker noted. This doesn't have to do with the fire station. This is a contract separate and apart uh, for the entrepreneurial center only. Um, it does not have to do with the fire station at all. And this is a $40,000 contract with district funds. It went through a public procurement process. But I understand um, what you're saying. This one doesn't have anything to do with that. So this has nothing to do with the swap of property? No, the other items already deferred do. This one does not. This particular piece of property in question it has nothing to do with it. Has to be, the, the swap of the fire station, the juvenile services, no. has nothing to do with it. Those have been deferred. This has to do simply with planning for a future building, and that contract was a separate process. 
who's going to pay to maintain this building and pay the utilities and all the other things that the parish budget has to be impacted by? Again, this doesn't have to do with that. This has to do with Broadmoor giving us guidance um, on construction. So, again, this doesn't have to do with that. So this doesn't build a building. We're not building a building by passing this. This helps us. Um, avoid a scenario like the Performing Arts Center where we did not have guidance on building a theater. Uh, this helps us in that process. The land swap, the juvenile service building, the Head Start building, the fire station are the other items that I requested deferral. Um, I'm happy to discuss those and that's why I've um, asked for deferral, but this item I would request since we had not had any discussion about it and it does not have to do with the fire station, uh, I'd request to move forward with this one. The others I'm happy to discuss and I'm actually asking that they be deferred to the next East Bank meeting to allow for a month of time and ample opportunity to discuss this. I just want you to commit to having a fiscal note before we build any new parish building that involves any parish-wide monies, library, fire, juvenile services, we need to have a good discussion on how that's going to be paid for. Absolutely, and I would request that that be done on any building because there are certainly other things moving forward that also build structures in our parish, and there should be a fiscal note um, attached to each. Thank you. Councilman Templer. And this, this question would be uh, uh, put to the administration because I, I think this is a project that y'all need to keep a close tabs and look at, and I'd like to find out, do y'all have any idea of the fiscal note and what this is taking place? Well, I'm... I'm just, um, I think it does relate to um, at the CMAR project is the, for Eat Fat City. Is that correct, on, the building? Only for Eat Fat City and only to guide us on that building. It has nothing to do with the property on Causeway. And I would respect, since this was, um, since I requested the deferral, that the discussion be um, deferred as well because we've had multiple meetings and I've had meetings parish president with your staff but I've not had an opportunity to meet with you directly which is why I'm asking for deferral for a month so that we have an opportunity to meet face to face and discuss this because everything you've expressed to me in uh, in terms of any question um, I've worked diligently to get an answer but I've not had the opportunity to meet with you personally so before we have public discussion on things that I think we have answers to um, I'd respect that we um, table the discussion for our September meeting and allow me an opportunity to meet with you in person. Absolutely, but just for the record, because I, I want to make sure the record is clear, I think that the property swap happens, and once the property swap happens, then I think this CMAR uh, kicks in on it's that property. So I, unless I have something wrong, um, obviously, as we have talked to you over the past separate. couple of weeks, we have ob objections to the property swap and many of the issues with the property swap. I, um, but I understand. I, my understanding of this is then after the property is swapped, CMAR is the construction manager at risk for the building that's going to go on the One swapped of those property. Properties. So yeah, but we have all due respect. I think this is kind of it, taking the, the cart before the so, horse. And so let me say this, because again, I hate to have a, a half-hearted discussion on something. We own separate property in Fat City. So whether we ultimately build the Eat Fat City Center on the property we already exclusively own that our office has purchased already, or whether it comes to fruition on one of the properties with the land swap, we have two options. So if the land swap for some reason were to not move forward, which I'm not at all, that is definitely the best path for, for, for us, but we have separate land. And so we will build, if we have to go back to the property that we have 
in Fat City, we definitely still want to use a construction manager at risk model. So this is separate and apart from the land swap, and that's what I'm trying to explain, that we have an option to build this on the land that is not involved in the land swap. And I would ask that the documents reflect that. Yeah, um, because the documents they do. To this day, they do show the property that is being swapped, which the administration has opposition to. It's so um, I, I think if you look at the document, and we can have the attorneys look at it during this meeting, but um, my understanding was that the CMAR is on the property that's being swapped. It is not. And it, again, the CMAR is a method of bringing a building to life. Um, it does not have to do with the location of the building. The separate contracts do. We're going to have them guide us wherever it's built. And again, I just hate to have a half-hearted discussion um, on this, which is why I requested deferral. Well, listen, with all that said, I would like to move to defer so we can address all It's fine. It's fine. Thank you. The project, yeah, and look, let me, yeah. Deferred if that is what the councilman's saying, because according to this document, the project is located on one of the swap properties. Um, okay. 3800, 3700, 3708. So we haven't swapped those properties yet. Obviously, the administration has been discussing for weeks our opposition to many of the items on the property swap. So to move forward on the CMAR that assumes that this property will be swapped, my concern is that financially if we tie ourselves up, it will be beyond a council district's funds that are funding this. Legally, it will be the administrative budgeted funds. So I absolutely understand and respect that this is a district project. We, we all understand the need for a project in Fat City, but of, of course my concern for the administration is that our budgeted departments are going to get forced to pay rent, pay holdover fees, pay all of that has damage, been all of these that we have brought concerns to you about. Yeah. And all of that's um, been addressed. Look, I think it's disingenuous. I think it's disingenuous to have a public discussion when everything that has been expressed to me, I have diligently worked to get answers on. And please allow me the opportunity, Parish President, to sit with you and provide those answers. Let me also remind you that when the CMAR project went out, when we publicly secured Broadmoor to guide us, it was prior to the land swap even being discussed. So I can assure you that the CMAR project, the CMAR method was pursued prior to the land swap. But I, I will respect this discussion and I will respect and defer this item as well so that all three items are deferred but please allow us to have a discussion where I can bring you the answers to the questions that you've raised um, so that there's no misinformation. We always see things um, tend to grow legs with misinformation, so please allow me to bring you the information that, okay, well, that we've acquired. Instead of continuing, can we yeah. move to defer since That's we've established that? The, the reason that for this discussion, because it was about to be voted on. I've no, 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 no. On number? Okay. okay. 83 is about to be voted on. We had opposition to it. That is why the, the discussion is public. All of our conversations to, to this point have been private. Okay. But you're about to take a vote of approval. So, uh, or, well, there, or whatever the vote is. So I'm, I'm yeah. asking. 13. She's agreed to defer to 913. No, let's, let's defer it. Let's defer it to, um, let's defer it to the next East Bank meeting so that it all comes up at the same time and there's no lack of clarity. But, but I want yes. clarification Go ahead, Councilman Temple. with the administration. I, I want to make sure that, you know, look, you said it yourself, Ms. Madam President, that uh, long-term financial issues 
could, could arise from this, and we want to make sure it has a true fiscal note of long-term issues uh, as well as the economic impact, the, the structure or whatever we're building, because I really don't know. I haven't seen anything. I don't know if you've seen anything. So make sure those discussions are had, and it's good to have this out in public. That's what we're supposed to do. So, so thank you. Okay. Any objection to the deferral of item number 83 to our 927 East Bank meeting? A motion of Councilman Bonanno. Is there a second? Second. Seconded by Councilman Impostato. No objection. Hearing none, so ordered. All right. That takes us to item 131 on the addendum agenda, please. A resolution selecting persons or firms interested and qualified to provide surveying services on an as-needed basis for public works projects in the Parish of Jefferson for a period of two years with maximum allowable fees of $500,000 per year. Councilman Templet? I move. Any objection to the selection of, um, what's your selection, I'm sorry. <laughs> You've moved on it, your selection on that one, on item number one. Oh, let me look at it, hold on first. All qualified. Any objection to the selection of all qualified firms? A motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. On the addendum agenda now, Councilman Templet, your motion regarding the Inglobo adoption of items 2 through 30 minus 11, which is a selection. I move. Any objections to the adoption of addendum agenda items 2 through 30 minus 11, which Excuse is Excuse me, Chairman. We yes, have to defer item number 19. Okay, that deferral wasn't in my notes. Were we oh, I'm sorry. We, I'm sorry. We received it after the affidavit. I'm sorry. We received it. Okay, so it's not being deferred. Yes. No. Sorry about that. Okay, so any objection to the adoption of addendum agenda items 2 through 30 minus 11, which is a selection on motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Go to item number 11, please, Madam Clerk. A resolution selecting an engineering firm from the list of approved firms established under resolution number 139780 adopted June 15, 2022 for routine engineering services for sewage projects, which services will be required for professional and supplemental services for the improvements to the Bridge City WWTP drying bed facility, SCIP project number D1115, Council oh. District 2. Councilman Bonanno, your selection. Stewart Consulting. Any objection to the selection of Stewart Consulting? A motion of Councilman Bonanno, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. That takes us to item number 31, special districts, please. And I have an item, uh, a note that item 31 will be deferred to our 927 meeting. Uh, Councilwoman Van Vranken, your motion on that? Move to defer. Any objection to the deferral of addendum agenda item 31? A motion of Councilwoman Van Vranken, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item 132, please. One thirty-two. Okay. Resolution accepting the lowest responsible bid of Casco Industries Incorporated under bid proposal number 50-0041850 for a two-year contract for the supply and structural firefighting 14-inch pull-on boots for the East Bank Consolidated Special Service Fire Protection District of Jefferson Parish, Louisiana, at the bid tabulation price of $139,975. 
Maximum expenditures for this contract shall not exceed $140,000 for the two years by a factor of not more than 10% without amendment to the contract authorized by resolution of the council. Councilman Bonanno, your motion? Any objection to the adoption of that resolution? A motion of Councilman Bonanno, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item 133, please. A resolution approving the sole source purchase of municipal emergency services for auto extraction, rescue equipment, and supplies in the amount not to exceed $362,418.80 for the East Bank Consolidated Special Service Fire Protection District of Jefferson Parish, Louisiana, and authorizing the purchasing department to issue a purchase order for a one-time purchase. Councilman Bonanno, your motion? Approval. Any objection to the adoption of that resolution? A motion of Councilman Bonanno, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. New business, none, no status reports. So now we move to persons appearing before the Council on Special Subject Matters. Anyone who would like to speak on anything that is not related to the agenda or addendum agenda may do so now. You must fill out a request to speak card in the back of chambers. You have three minutes. Please state your name and address for the record. Al Morella, 4260 East Loyola Drive, 5th District, Kenner, 4th District, Gun Incorporated, Jefferson, 51 years. Uh, campaign contribution from the last council meeting, $120,692.25. Top five benefactors, Councilman Lee, Councilman Walker, Councilman Templet, Councilwoman Van Rankin, and Councilman Impostado, and Councilman Edwards. I want to direct this to, uh, to uh, Paris Attorney Peggy Barton. On page four of those campaign contributions, there's a $5,500 campaign contribution to Councilman Walker. There's no fit footnote. There's no explanation on that. I'd like to get a, either an explanation to the public or get it in writing. I can explain uh, that, One way or the other. That was an overpayment by a donor and $500 was returned. Okay. Oh, all right. All right. I got my It's reflected on the, the reports. Okay. Anytime I see that, you know I'm going to question it. I know. Okay. Go, uh, John Bell Edwards, I'm demanding your resignation effective immediately. Once again, we got scandal up in Baton Rouge. This time, it's the State uh, Department of uh, Veterans Affairs. $4 million uh, skimmed, uh, wire fraud, uh, two uh, people working in the office across the lake. Okay, now we got the dysfunctional Department of Health. $112 million handed out to people who don't even live in the state of Louisiana. Then you got 52, 56 inmates on death row in that Rouge who's been there for years, who was convicted by a jury to their peers, who was sentenced to death, and they're still walking around. And now you want to commute these cold-blooded murderers who took innocent lives, and of all the reasons you want to give, is pro-life. This is the most imbecilic explanation or comments I've ever heard in my entire life. Okay? So, uh, anyway, once again, Bell Edwards, the man in your resignation. Okay. So, I think that's, I think I got a short one today. I think that's about all. Uh, let me see. Look back at my notes. Think back at my notes here. Uh, well, I do want to say this to Ms. Lopez. 
Uh, I wish you Godspeed, and uh, I wish you all the best. The young lady sitting next to you is doing a fantastic job, phenomenal job. With you by her side until you retire, uh, she's going to be one of the best, as far as I'm concerned. And we appreciate your service, Ms. Lopez, and we thank you for a job well done. She's smiling at you, Mr. Al. Anybody got any comments, any questions? Thank you. Thank you. Hello, I'm back again. Darlene Villery, 3501 Herring Road. Night before last was the third attack in my front yard. When are y'all letting these guys start? <coughs> Come on, honey. <coughs> Council. Hi, honey. Hi. So, a trapper actually, Joe Andrade, am I saying that correctly, did trap a coyote. And on Monday, we had a meeting with all of the trappers. And basically, what is happening is they've actually teamed up and they've selected a large area that is affected, which Green Acres? Yeah. Is in that almost the center of that 10 mile radius. We don't want to give specifics because apparently. But Joe's equipment has been damaged, expensive equipment, because people were aware that he was trapping in a certain area. I would like to make it clear that the coyotes that they are targeting are the ones that are going into people's yards, you know, attacking people's cats. um, And, you know, so they're they've coordinated an effort to kind of maximize. So they're going to conquer and divide, if you will. And the objective is to, without being graphic of how they're going to do this, lure the coyotes out of the residential area to them. Because they don't, you know, too many liabilities with trying to trap in, in areas that are owned. Although people can, you know, request a trapper on their own to do it, which does cost. Uh, the trappers that we have engaged with are kind of conquering, dividing, they're going to lure the, the coyotes out. The way they've explained it is they may catch, you know, may trap one coyote and it may be weeks before they catch another, you know. So they're going to keep trying um, and they're targeting different sections. Um, and I know that there's some permitting with the, the levy board that they are also acquiring. And it's um, trapper John Schmidt who already has a permit, but the other two are obtaining them. But until then, they're having to do it on this side and not be on the levee. Um, but they are out there doing it. We we do have flyers that we're going to be um, giving out, and she did say she would put it on the neighborhood boards. Yeah. Yeah, the digital version. Um, just so we can let people know we're trapping in the area, leaving it vague, um, because we don't want them to be bothering the traps or knowing, you know, where everything is at. Um, it may take some time, but they are out there doing it, you know, um, and they ask yeah. that we not put any big signs up saying trapping, you know, yes. with flags right. yes. saying, you know, yes. I mean, I agree so. with that. 
Um, so we are out there, the, the parish is doing something. It's just sometimes it's going to take a little while for anybody to see that happening. Do we know what the schedule is for trapping? How long? How long are is they going to be for trapping? for a year? Is it for six months? So the way I understand it is they're going to be trapping, you know, uh, until they see that the issue has, has disseminated, you know, that that's all they can do. And how often will we get a progress report of what's going on? I mean, and how? I mean, do you, you're looking for like monthly statistics or what are the information you look about? Yeah. Uh, it's, it's being taken care of. We've got five of them. We didn't catch any this month. Right. How do we know the progress of it? Well, if Michelle, once a month, can you provide the parish president with the statistics for that month? And then parish president, when you do your opening remarks, if you would provide that, how's that? Absolutely. Listen, and I got to tell you, trapping coyotes <clears throat> in an urban setting is going to be very, very difficult. It's going to take time. It is. And, and there's no quick solution to this. And it's going to have to something that we're going to have to do on a routine basis. Obviously, you live in the area that's the hot spot right now. And those coyotes have learned where the food sources are. And they're going to continue to go there. They don't eat them all. Well, I, obviously, they, I know, but they're, they're in your area. They're in your area. And we're going to have to trap them. And we're just, it's, going to be, it's going to take time. And I, I want to encourage residents once again. If you're feeding animals outside, please bring that food in at night. Do not leave it outside. Put it out for an hour or two, bring it in. But it's going to take time, and I, I feel for you. I, I, I can understand losing your pets is not a fun thing. None of us would want to have that happen. But it, unfortunately, we're dealing with a wild animal. It's a very intelligent animal, and it's not going to be easy to remove them. But we, we're, we're going to remain vigilant and do the best we can to, until we can get them out of your neighborhood. I appreciate it. No, thank you. It could go a little faster, though, y'all. <laughs> Three months and ten days since the first attack. So this yeah. has been a royal nightmare for me. I'm not yelling at you. You know that's the way we talk. Councilman <laughs> Pistato. Thank you. And uh, one of the things I wanted to add, Ms. Darlene, is, is one of the things that we're working on. I've done some research on uh, what, how other communities have addressed this issue, because it's not, as we saw from the wildlife and fisheries presentation a week or so ago, I mean, we're not alone. Uh, unfortunately, in this Dallas, Texas, in particular, I see uh, their local governing authority came up with an interactive mapping program where the residents can interactively map with it. And so what we're actually working on trying to do some research and potentially getting some software developers that the parish works with to devise a similar mapping program that the residents can interact with that will then assist the trappers. And so we're looking at all those different opportunities and trying to get those engaged. So daughter-in-law and my son lives in Costa Mesa, California. They live right there by that ravine. Anytime they see a coyote, they call wildlife and fishery, and then the next day wildlife and fishery goes around their traffic. Wow. Getting them out these neighborhoods. I think we saw the presentation last week, and I don't, I don't think we can expect our wildlife and fisheries to do much. Uh, <laughs> I don't care who y'all pass the buck to, but somebody needs to get them out these and Thank, you. Thank you. Councilman, in lieu of the, the mapping, that is why we're asking uh, the residents to contact us because we're kind of mapping that in lieu of having that. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes, sir. My name is Tony Key, and I reside at 1912 Bullard Avenue. I was uh, issued a citation 
<clears throat> I was issued a citation from the engineering department over a, an improvement that I had made between the sidewalk and, and the curb where I removed dead grass and replaced it very neatly with gravel with trim around. Uh, there was a, an anonymous complaint that resulted in this citation here, one of which I was told that had it not been for the anonymous complaint, there wouldn't be an issue one with what I was with what I did, which leads me to believe there that this is not should not be much of a deal like it's made out to be. <clears throat> the person that made this complaint is well known to the code department and the police department as being a real troublemaker. In in the complaint here, I'm being ordered to remove the gravel and replace it with sod. I argued the fact there that there was no ordinance requiring sod and that two departments stated such. Uh, I am requesting that what I've done remain like it is. I've also tried, Mr. Walker, to get time with yourself and Mr. Bonanno, and my wife also requested time with Mrs. Shane to discuss this, uh, hoping there that y'all would see this for what it is and for what it ain't. Um, ironically, I could not get past your age to get five minutes with you, which in all probability would have maybe resulted in myself not even having to be here for what this is. Well, think if I remember correctly, they've looked into the issue and reported back to you what you don't like, right? The, the answer that you've received. Well, it, it, it doesn't make it. it uh, I, I question the legality. There appears to be no ordinance stating that uh, I would have to spend money buying sod. Um, it's a little contradictory here, Miss uh, uh, DeSoto. There, where she makes a remark where it the quote returned to grass. That kind of contradicts the initial. Uh, 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 ordering uh, that it be returned to side. Mr. Soto, would you like to elaborate? Sure, absolutely. Good morning. I'm Angela DeSoto, Director of Engineering, and as Mr. Key reported, that is correct. We received multiple complaints from various individuals uh, concerning the gravel and edging in between the sidewalk and right-of-way on Mr. Key's property. Uh, as such, my team investigated and sent a letter to uh, Mr. Key and his wife, Mrs. Allen, to remove said material and return it to sod, to return it to grass, which was its prior condition prior to the removal thereof. The family asked for a one-month extension, which was granted, so he has until October 4th, in accordance with the letters received, to remove the, the gravel and edging material and return that area to sod. And we do require the area between the sidewalk and driveways to be grassed, i.e. sod. Sod is grass. 
um, as part of our ordinance. So we require, and we require him to maintain it. So it was removed without approval, and it needs to be returned to the to the condition that it was in grass prior to its removal. Thank you. And the reality is, if if somebody never complains, nobody may ever see it. But so because in, in reality, because the complaints were made, there, they have to be there investigated. There was never multiple complaints. There was only one that originated from the person that, that I told you about. Were Originally there, there when I, I Googled every possible variation of what I was doing to find out if, in fact, gravel was prohibited and if, in fact, sod was a requirement. One of the ordinances that I did view from the parkway described them giving from ground cover up, which is exactly what I have presently is ground cover. It was actually my intention to incorporate a couple of trees, a couple of plants, and make this area a decorative little area. I was referred to another gentleman in the engineering department that I sat down in hopes to work this uh, out, and he actually acknowledged the fact, too, that this was, quote, unquote, a gray area in regards to, you know, the resolute, you know, to, to the uh, Section 29-121 versus the Parkways ordinance that I was looking at. This, this, was, this was meant to be an improvement, to make an area there that, by ordinance, I am required to maintain. The ordinance does not specify maintain how, in what manner, in what materials. It, it, it's vague, only that the homeowner maintain. And, of course, everybody in this building here uh, can see lots of areas where none of that is maintained. Also there, I am not the only person in this parish by no means that has gravel in this location. There were gravels in new construction going right to the street as well as pavers all over the parish here. I am being singled out where there's, if we're looking for persecution, we're, we're driving past it every day. David Drive's a prime example. West Bank Expressway on both sides. If we look in the site somebody would gravel, look, there's probably 25 businesses there that can be cited, along with other places. I mean, I took the time to research. I could not find anything that prohibited me from doing what I'm doing. There was no intent there. I was merely trying to make a bad area better. That's all. All my neighbors around me love it. They make remarks about how neat and clean that it is. This complaint, one complaint, came from an individual that has a bona fide track record with the code department and the police department, too. In lieu of where this complaint comes from, also in lieu of the fact here that I'm being told over and over had it not been for the complaint, there wouldn't be nothing to it. Nobody would care one way or the other. I, we have to move on from here, but I understand where you're coming from. But one person's improvements is another person's, you know, lack well, of improvement. It, it, so I, what I actually want to is clarification. There appears to be nothing on the ordinance that states that that I have to certainly spend money buying side, and and, and that that has to be side. Or grass, for that matter. Or grass. Mr. Soto, and we'll wrap this up after this. 
So we receive multiple complaints. We do not divulge the name of any complainant, so as there is not to be retribution from one person to another. We receive multiple complaints. We continue to receive complaints. Um, there is an ordinance that states that you cannot pave or put other surface materials between your sidewalk and the edge of curb. Rock is considered a surface material. There are instances of gravels. What is misleading is there is permeable pavement systems that involve rock. It's a very engineered system that requires specific um, work to be done in a specific manner, specific maintenance that is all approved by my department prior to its going in. So what appears to be gravel to one person may or may not actually be as such. There is also a requirement to grass sod the area between the sidewalk and the and the edge of curb so we and so therefore related to both the curb to both the complaints and the material placed my department did citate uh, the homeowner and will follow up if it's not removed and replaced with sod grass by the 10th of, of, of um, 4th of September 4th of October excuse me 10 4 um, then we will act in accordance with our rules and regulations and ordinance to make sure that that area is returned to grass. That, and thank to you. be clear, there was grass there prior to, so the homeowner removed at his expense the grass that was there to put in the materials that are currently there. Thank you, Mr. Soto. And I know um, my office spent an hour on the phone with you going through this and trying to figure it out. But that's let me let me finish because you've had plenty of time to speak. We need to um, we have these ordinances for a reason, and you know they if you have if there's ever any doubt, call somebody and they'll come out and look at what you're doing and and say whether you can do it or not. But unfortunately, you can't self-interpret the ordinances and and do what you please. Just passed in June, I would have been well within my legal rights to apply for a permit and have that area concreted just like multiple people in my neighborhood have. And you would have applied for a permit. Which yes, you, absolutely. Which absolutely would have 100%. which would have given you permission from the parish if it was approved. Well, I mean, I, I'm stating the fact there that if I could have applied for the permit and concreted that area like so many people in my neighborhood have, that, that kind of downplays the requirement there that it has to be this or it has to be that, and it cannot be this or it cannot be that. For the I, record, I mean, the maximum amount of space that one is allowed to pave on the right-of-way for a residential building is 35 feet. We do not grant the, uh, a permit for pavement between the right-of-way and the um, – between the curb and uh, sidewalk, and that permit would have been rejected. And it is clear in the ordinance that you cannot pave from the sidewalk to the curb. And that area must be, it cannot pave or surface that area, so that area must be gas, grass. So that permit, had the permit been applied for, it would not have been granted. That it would have simple. gone Thank through you, sir. The, the complete process as per our ordinance. We're not going to, I don't think we're going to debate the ordinance any further. It, it is what it is. So That's simply not true, because a neighbor of mine in question, he did his with a permit, and I know that for a fact. Well, you can take that up with engineering, and we can look further into it if that's the case. But this is this is where we have to stop today because we're not going to debate the ordinance back and forth ad nauseum. But I appreciate you coming and expressing your concerns. 
since there's no ordinance there stating such. And I know our, our traffic engineering department would be happy to clarify anything that you have questions about still. But that hasn't happened. That's why I'm here. Well, and that's, but that, unfortunately, that's who you have to deal with, and you can't, we can't just arbitrarily make decisions, and even though it's your property, you can't just do whatever you want in a lot of cases. So I appreciate you coming, though. Thank you. I appreciate the time. Thank you. Clyde Maiden, Jr. I'm here today concerning the state of transit in Jefferson Parish. I've been um, with Jefferson Parish for 26 years, and I started when I was 21 years old. I've seen the transit at its best, and I've seen it at its worst, which is right now. Our transit director is making decisions that is crippling our transit system. For example, with the Metairie Local, instead of the local being funded by a grant, it was funded solely out of the budget, which deteriorated. It ran from 5 in the morning to 10 at night. It only picked up maybe 10 to 15 passengers, which in turn made cuts come to our transit system. Veterans Highway, for example, which was very beneficial for the parish. It brought tourists, it brought visitors, and our regular ridership directly downtown, where they was able to see what the parish had to offer. In turn, they would backtrack and patronize the businesses, which we don't have no more because we don't have that service. Right now, the RTA 202 provides that service from the airport to get them downtown, which in turn, it takes interstate. So now they are bypassing everything that Jefferson Parish has to offer. Her decision-making with the paratransit as far as investing in propane buses, which we know due to the heat it was a disaster from day one. The buses, the air condition doesn't work sometimes. The buses cut off in the middle of the highway due to the propane and the heat and the expansion of it. Also, the fare was adjusted, which in the past would be brought to the council for y'all to vote on. It was given to us by memo and started that exact day. I am asking, please, to bring back the advisory transit board so we can have oversight so we can have a chain of communication that we don't have we cannot even communicate with the transit director at all at all right now at this present moment i heard the prayers parish president speaking on the heat on airline highway on veterans highway on kenner local they wait 30 minutes now on Causeway and Clearview at this present time, they're waiting one hour. It's too hot for that. We're dealing with children. We're dealing with toddlers. We're dealing with, with just regular ridership, elderly people, disabled. We need to make adjustments with our system. Fifteen seconds. I'm just asking to please bring back the transit advisory board so we can have some kind of line of communication over our decision-making. Thank you. Thank you. Brian Miller, 2nd District, 4th uh, District in Kenner. My question is in regards to the fire service again out of the 7th District. Yesterday I had the opportunity to meet with Chief Robinson along with Chief Gerard from Bridge City and make a public records request 
on the amount of time that Station 78 is closed down. Starting from January of this year just until yesterday, we've had 235 days within the year. Of 235, 158 of them, that fire station was shut down due to being unmanned and unstaffed. I understand, might not agree with, but I do understand the need to, for hiring and having personnel. But having been a fireman on the West Bank, a lot of our elderly within these communities don't use 911. They contact the fire station directly or they go to the fire station when they need help. How will we serve in them correctly if 158 days of 235 that station is unmanned? What if somebody shows up at that station looking for help and they receive none? It's an easy task to ask them to call 911. In fact, it's probably something that most of you would call common sense. But as everybody in today's world, we see there's not a lot of common sense that's used in society today. We need to do something in regards to at least making the public aware when this station is unmanned. Can we not put a sign out, closed fire station, contact 911, and the perception of that it is an operating fire station is pathetic. If today, the longest period of time, when you look at this paper that they've used as documentation, 10 days, 10 days straight it has been closed. So if on the 11th day it's open, I'm thinking that it's a, an operating station, but then it's closed again for 10 more days. I do think that's something that I don't know if it has to go to Chief Robinson or to the council, Ms. Shang, whoever, but I do think it needs to be addressed. Um, we can't, I understand, Councilman Bonanno, we've talked about the consolidation before. Whether it's a good idea or not is irrelevant to me. We need to fix what problems there are currently, and that is a problem that that fire station continues to be unmanned. If it's going to be closed, let's close it and, and let Bridge City respond in. But something needs to be done. That, that's ridiculous. You certainly, <clears throat> certainly we can put a sign up that says fire station closed. But uh, Chief Robinson, if you would, we've, we've had discussions with PIAL, which is the rating bureau, yes. and that station is not deemed to be necessary. And as you know, there's only one fireman there when it's open one. And as a firefighter myself, one fireman cannot fight a fire. At all. Me, so me and you will agree on that. Yeah, right. So I'm aware of the, yeah. the PIAL meetings, right. and that's what I'm talking about. Right. They have these meetings. The chiefs get together. Yep. Yet nobody's taking any action. I agree with you, based off of 1710 and the miles that they cover, right. it can be gone. Right. And and let Bridge City come in. Y'all have complimented East Bank Consolidated several times today, which I do too. I think those heroes did a great job over the weekend with the three structure fires they had. But how close is an East Bank fire station to the next fire station? They don't overlap. So there is things that can be done with this fire station that, that can be closed on a more permanent basis. But at least if we're going to temporarily let it open, should we not put something out there to let the residents know nobody's here today? Chief, would you get with now my point and make sure we get a sign there that just says station closed? 
Councilman, I will, but I just want to state that, as, as Mr. Bellin knows, that station, when it is closed, is covered by the nine-mile station right. 79 and the Bridge Steady Station right. 7. I'll talk to the chief of the nine-mile appointment. I'm not saying the, the area is uncovered. No, no, I, I get what you're saying. The building, right. No, we got it. I'll speak okay. to it. Thank you. Frankie Hires, 509 Home, we're just trying to spark a little curiosity, and away we go. I don't want to be here. Really, I don't. I should be out knocking on doors, as you all well know. So should, so should we all, right? Or at least a few of us. What it might mean to have a legislative branch of government. Imagine. Just imagine what it could be like. Right? I might have a representative that would come to my house, maybe, call me up the day before one of these meetings, brief me on the agenda, find out what my concerns were, and then address them on my behalf. I wouldn't have to come to these meetings during the day. 10 o'clock in the morning when I should be doing any number of other things and the reason why you don't get more than a handful of citizens willing to show up here to redress anything you do. Lip service, token gestures, at best. The transit system, I've been, I've been telling you about this for two years. We spent $135,000 on a bus, stop, bus stop shelters today, but we can't figure this out. It's your obligation. You're obliged to this. It's in the charter, just like hospitals and EMS. This is ridiculous, and the only reason these problems persist is because you're out of touch. You can't be in touch. We're reigned by the towers of power, Gretna, Old Metairie, and Kenner, ruling this parish with some kind of iron fist. You allow for hot blood to be sown between neighbors. One neighbor complains about another neighbor, and i got to sit here for 10 minutes listening to the same problem I've faced, put it brought upon me by my own council member. She hears a complaint from some constituent about me parking legally on the street, and she can't even come by to make sure that's the case before she calls a sheriff on me. Call, call code enforcement so they can make up a violation. they got to catch all underneath all those violations. You can just be a maintenance of a nuisance, and then they can write anything they want. You're out of touch, and it shows. It's because we don't have a representative form of government. No Republican form here. You can't explain how the power is distributed. And if you can't explain how you've distributed the, distributed the power, it's been done illegitimately because the Constitution is really clear. You apply a ratio to the parts of a whole. That's how you apportion a body according to law. It's really simple. I can explain it. Each designated place in each municipality gets one representative. None get more than one for every so many people beyond that. If it were 10,000, if that was the ratio we determined, because that might provide for less of a tyranny of few, Metairie would have 14 representatives. Kenner would have six. The rest of the parish would have one for each of the, what's going to be, uh, 20 designated places. And none of these neighbors, none of my fellow neighbors would have to plead to you all. None of them would be made your servant. You'd be theirs. And you could go home feeling like you actually did your job. You could respond to them accordingly. You could reduce your staff and you, re you could reduce your income and live like a Jeffersonian, representing a frugal and simple government. That's your time, Mr. Hires. Thank, Thank you. Figure it out. Anyone else? All right, let's go to those executive session items, please. <laughs> a resolution authorizing the council to go into to go into executive session to discuss legal matters related to the Grand Isle Waterline Hurricane Ida insurance claim and to provide for related matters. Councilman Edwards, your motion. 
go to uh, executive session. Any objection to the adoption of that resolution? A motion of Councilman Edwards, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Number five, please. A resolution authorizing the council to go into executive session to discuss legal matters concerning a claim for Allison Beasley, CCMSI claim number 13C99C964682, and to provide for related matters. Councilman Templet, your motion? I move. Any objection to the adoption of that resolution? A motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Item six, please. A resolution authorizing the council to go into executive session to discuss legal matters concerning the lawsuit Peggy Grantzart versus WPW Investments LLC, Jefferson Parish, and Jefferson Parish Water Department, 24th JDC number 829-145, Division B, and to provide for related matters. Councilman Templet? I move. Any objection to the adoption of that resolution? A motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. We're now in executive session.
right, you're unmuted, Liz. Yep, three. Three. All right, everybody can take a seat. We're back in session. Madam Clerk, please read the um, executive session resolutions. A resolution authorizing a settlement in the legal matter related to the Grand Isle Waterline Hurricane Ida insurance claim and to provide for related matters. Any objections to that executive session a resolution? On motion of Councilman uh, motion of Councilman Templin, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. A resolution authorizing a settlement in a claim for Al Allison Beasley, CCMSI, claim number 13C99C964682, and to provide for related matters. Any objection to the adoption of that executive session resolution? A motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so order. A resolution authorizing a settlement in the lawsuit entitled Peggy Gransard versus WPW Investments, LLC, Jefferson Parish, and Jefferson Parish Water Department, 24th JDC number 829-145, Division B, and to provide for related matters. Any objections to the adoption of that executive session resolution? A motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. All right, now let's move to uh, reading the ordinances for introduction into summary, Madam Clerk. Okay, the first one I'm going to read is going to require unanimous votes. An ordinance amending Chapter 31 of the Code of Ordinances of Jefferson Parish, Louisiana, by adding Article 3, multi-jurisdictional cooperation, and by adding Section 31-30, Major Crimes Task Force, to provide relative to required annual appropriations. Any objections to the adoption of that ordinance read into summary? A motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Eric Nunn, so ordered. Okay. An ordinance declaring the intent of Jefferson Parish to acquire full ownership in lots 22, 23, 24, and 25, square 26, South New Orleans subdivision, Gretna Boulevard, Harvey, pursuant to Louisiana Revised Statute 47-2236, which has been adjudicated to Jefferson Parish in the names of Dorothy Gibbs Taylor and Claude Taylor for the non-payment of property taxes and to provide for related matters. An ordinance amending the 2023 capital budget, an ordinance amending the 2023 operating budget, and that's all the summaries I have to read. Any objections to the adoption of the ordinances read into summary? A motion of Councilman Templet, seconded by Councilman Walker. Hearing none, so ordered. Any objection to the motion to adjourn by all council members present? Hearing none, so ordered. This meeting is now adjourned. Have a great week, everybody. And don't forget about the blood drive. You can give blood today. It goes until 2 o'clock.